This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. On January 1st of this year, I was asked to speak at a church in the United States, and I spoke on what it is to move forward in the kingdom. And before we get to those remarks that I made on that day, I'd like to remind you that if you have any questions or any comments, anything you'd like to share with me or anything you'd like me to talk about on this podcast, please feel free to send me a message at the email address ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. And I'd also like to share a scripture that I heard the other day. It stood out to me then, and it's stayed on my heart for a little bit. So I'd like to read this to you now. Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Jehovah, who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. This is what the Lord says. We shouldn't boast about our wisdom if we have any. That's a gift from God. It's something that he has given us, not something we've generated on our own. If we're strong, we shouldn't boast about our strength, or if we're rich, in whatever way we're rich, we shouldn't boast about that. And God is saying, if we're going to boast about anything, if we're going to brag, but we're going to boast and we're going to brag about the fact that we know God. We understand him and know him. God makes himself known. He reveals himself to us. And that is something to brag about. That is really, really a good thing. And here's some things that we can understand about our Lord. He exercises kindness and justice and righteousness. He's a God of kindness. He's a kind person. He's very just and he's righteous. And he brings those things on earth to us. And these are the things that delight him. So just want to encourage you with this word from the prophet Jeremiah as he tells us what Jehovah is saying to his people. We should not brag about what we have or what we do or who we are. We brag about the fact that we know our God, and he's a loving God. He's a kind God. So now I'll hand it over to myself in a message that I shared on January 1st of this year. Good morning, everyone. Wow, that was really nice. Stan, thank you very much. I was told that I have until 1 p.m., Today is not only the first day of the year, it's the first day of the week. Our work schedules, actually calendars in Europe, have Monday as the first day of the week, but actually Sunday is the first day of the week. Saturday is the Sabbath, the day of rest, the seventh day, and Sunday is when we start our week. And I think it's wonderful that Christians start their week in worship and gathering together. That's the beginning of the week. That's the way to start the week, and that's the way we start this year. I think in the 
the bulletin, I can't remember the title that I gave this, Never Look Back, Don't Look Back. Another title for this talk could be A Biblical Perspective on Moving into the Future. And a lot of what I'm going to share are things that God's been working into my heart over the last 10 or 15 years as I've thought about and experienced transitions in life. And you can see that God is touching the hearts of a lot of people here and the same message is coming through and that's to me evidence that the Lord is speaking to us by his spirit and he has something for each of us to hear. And it's a reminder to me that Christ is the head of the church and he has things that he communicates to us and he has guidance that he wants to give us if we'll have ears to hear. So hopefully today, as I speak, we'll hear God's perspective on how his people are to move into the future. How are his people to move through time? And today I'll touch on some of those insights that God gives in the word. Garner read earlier from Isaiah chapter 43, and I'll touch on it here again. In verse 16, just verse 16 says, this is what the Lord says. And I want to remind you, in case you don't know, I'll tell you. In the Old Testament translations that we have, when you see the word Lord in a situation like this in all capital or small capital letters, that's actually a substitution for the word Jehovah or Yahweh. And translators do that, uh, I think, out of a tradition of being hesitant to misspeak or mispronounce or use the name of God in vain. But actually, what the scripture says in Hebrew is, this is what Yahweh says. This is what Jehovah says. And every time I see that, and maybe this will help you too, I, I'm reminded that our God is a person. He is not silent. He speaks to his people. He has relationships with his people. That's what he wants. Uh, when he came to Abram, Abram put his faith in Jehovah, and Jehovah credited that faith as righteousness. And this is a reminder to me that our faith is not in a doctrine. It's not in a religious tradition. It's not in a series of teachings. Our faith is in a living God. Our faith is in a God who is the same God that walked with Adam and Eve. It's the same God that spoke with Abram, Isaac, Jacob, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, you, me. It's the same God. And our faith is in him, not in just some teachings. So we've got to be very careful, of course, when we hear teachers. Uh, so often, teachers want to bring the newest thing or the greatest revelation or whatever. And what we want to hear is the old stuff. We want to hear what's true and right. We want to hear what God says, not what people think about what God says or what people think God should have said, which is not an uncommon form of teaching as I listen to Christian radio, honestly. So we have to be discerning. The good thing is his people have his spirit, and so we have the ability to discern those things by his spirit. We have the right and the responsibility to be discerning of what is God saying. So this is one look into how God thinks about his people move through time. This is what the Lord says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So there's a couple of things here, and we'll see this theme recurring through the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. God says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on them. Not only should we not dwell on the junk that's in the past, or even the great things that are in the past, we should forget them and move on. Because he's always the source of life, the spring of living water. He wants us focusing on what he's doing now, the new thing that he's doing. In Jeremiah chapter 31, we see the new covenant expressed. God says there's a new covenant coming, which is fulfilled. You remember when Jesus takes the wine and says, this is the blood of the new covenant. Like the new covenant in Christ. And a part of that new covenant is that God will forget our sins. He'll remember our trespasses no more. That's a part of the covenant, that he'll actually forget what's in our past. Isn't that something? I've heard a, um, I, th- I may have said it here, a, a British Bible teacher who says, we have a memory and God has a forgettery. He's able to forget. He says, I will remember their sins no more. Wow. Isn't that something? Amen. And here he says to his people, you forget the old stuff. Don't dwell on that. I am doing a new thing. And I've highlighted in the scripture, he says, I am doing it. I am. Not us. Not the nation of Israel. It's something that he is doing. So don't dwell on the past. And look and see what he's doing. So let's look at some other scriptures. Those of you who know me perhaps know that this is one of my favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 6, 16. Can anybody quote that? Anybody have that memorized? This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find peace for your souls. That's something. Stand at the crossroads and look. In life, we are often at a crossroads, a big crossroad or a little crossroad, moments of decision. And this is God's way for his people to move through time when we come to these crossroads. You know, we're looking for a way forward. If we're followers of Jesus, we're looking for the will of God. And what does God say? The first thing is stand, and the second thing is look. Stop. Look. And then ask, God, what is the good way here? What is the ancient path? What is your way right now? What is that? That's a really good prayer to pray. And very often it'll be answered pretty quickly. Especially if you couple it with the question, God, which of these things helps me to love you more? Because the greatest commandment is to love God. And often we have things in front of us, and one of them will very clearly lead us on a path of faith or path of love of God. And I've prayed this prayer, and just so real quickly, you'll say, oh, I, now I know. This path is away from God. It's towards self-sufficiency. This path is one of faith. It's a good prayer to pray. And God is saying you stand at those crossroads, and you look, and then you ask, and once you get an answer, you walk in it, and you do it. 
And that's where we move into the shalom of God, that deep peace of God, by walking in the ancient paths, walking in the good ways. And I can't, nor should I, write a book or give a sermon that says, here is what God is going to tell you when you pray these prayers, because he's your shepherd, he's our shepherd, but each sheep is on a little different path, right? Each sheep is a little different in personality. He's going to lead us all home, but he'll answer those prayers because in John chapter 10, Jesus says the shepherd calls his sheep by name. He doesn't just call to the flock and say, okay, everybody, let's go this way. He'll say, Lemurl, let's go this way. Jim, let's go this way. Ken, let's move this way. He'll call his sheep by name and reveal that path for us. So I made a little note here. What are some other paths that we could be asking about? He says to ask for a path, should we stop and say, Lord, which is the most comfortable way right now? God, what's the easiest path here? Oh, what's the newest path? Ooh, I want to go on the new thing, you know, this new path. I was at a church, I think I may have told this story here, and it's a church that is known for always reading the most recent book, whatever the, the fad is. There are Christian fads, we know this. And I went into the church after having been away for a year or so, and one of the members came up and said, what book are you reading now? And I said, mm, Colossians? Because <laughs> I, really, I was really into Colossians. And she's like, no, 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 no. What book are you reading? I remember uh, a church I was in making pretty hard changes in direction based on different books that were published at different times. God wants us not to seek out the newest, the most novel thing, I guess I'd say. We shouldn't be looking for the way that seems right. That's not a way of talking about revelation. Well, this seems right. This seems pretty good. So what does he say? We look for the ancient path. We look for the good way. And we ask him, God, what is that old way? What's that good way? Now, it'll involve things that are contemporary. Some of you, I'll talk about it in a minute, you're going through a transition and there's something that's going to happen a month from now, six months from now, that's different from what's happening now. But a great way to walk into those crossroads is to say, Lord, what is the good way? I want to walk in your ways as I go into this transition and arrive in something else. That's how God's people are to move through time. In Luke chapter 9, Stan read about it earlier, and he also mentioned, and I'm glad you did, Stan, that uh, what he quoted from verses 61 and 62 is actually, it's the third man that is uh, spoken about here in this section from Luke 9. So earlier, starting in verse 57, they're walking along the road, and a man comes up to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Uh, Jesus didn't ask the guy anything, apparently. The man approached him and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. He said, oh, great. Here, sign up. You're a member now. No, he said, you know what? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. What kind of answer is that from somebody who's trying to build a movement? Are we willing to follow him into homelessness? Are we willing to follow him on pilgrimage? A pilgrim is a religious believer who leaves home behind and moves off to the holy place 
and they're moving through. They're never settling. They're never home until they get to that destination. And I think that's a part of what Jesus was touching on there. If you want to follow me, you have to leave your home. That's a tough word. And then he said to another man, another fellow there with him, follow me. And the man replied, Lord, well, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, well, you let the dead bury their own dead, but you, you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. So he made an excuse. I've heard this spoken of in a couple of ways. One is that literally he, his father had passed away and he needed to go and honor his father and his family by performing the burial rites. Another thing that I've heard is that that could be a turn of phrase that means let me go and wait until my father is gone and resolve all the issues and things like that, and then I'll come follow you. But first, let me go. You know, let me do that. And it's interesting the way that Jesus replies, there are two kinds of dead people. Let the dead bury the dead. Isn't that interesting? So there are physically dead people, and there are spiritually dead people who are breathing and moving around, hearts pumping, making decisions, but they're dead. Which is exactly what he said to Nicodemus when they met at night. He said, you've got to be born again. You have to be born from above. If you're going to enter into the kingdom, there has to be a new birth. And Jesus says to that guy, well, you let the dead people deal with the dead, but you, you go and you proclaim the kingdom. And then another one said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And this is where Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Who here wants to be fit for service in the kingdom of God? I hope many hands go up. I won't ask you to raise your hands now. Do you take the Bible literally? Do you take the Bible literally? Well, I have to say... I do not take the Bible literally because at one point Jesus said, I am the door. <laughs> yeah. Is he a slab of wood that's on hinges? No, it's a metaphor. So I don't take the Bible literally, but I do believe that it's completely true, that it's trustworthy, and that Jesus not only believed fully what he said, that he had the power and the authority to say what he said about the kingdom of God. It is really, really true. And here's another example of, do we take it literally? How many people here in this room have literally put your hand on a plow and looked backwards? Because if we take it literally, I could say, well, I've never put my hand on a plow and looked back, so I guess I'm fit. But that's not, obviously not what God is saying here, right? And this is what the man said. I'm going to follow you, but first let me, and he says, go back. Let me go back. I'll follow you, but let me go back. And Jesus replies with this picture, this word picture, which is excellent. He said, well, if you say that you're putting your hand to the plow and doing the work of God, but then you look back, then you're just not fit. Which I guess makes sense. I think I may have walked behind this old plow. We had an old horse when I was a kid, and Dad hooked it up to a plow and plowed the garden up there you're doing this, I was thinking about it, when you're plowing, you're looking at the work you're doing, and you're looking a little ahead to make sure everything's lined up. If you turn back here, well, just everything goes wrong, right? You've got you to stay focused. And if we're not 
focused like that, then we're not fit for service in the kingdom. The Lord speaks in these metaphors so that we can understand the true reality. And in this, the Lord is giving us a kingdom principle. We can't say that we're a disciple and then look back. It doesn't, it, that's just not what a disciple is. Let's look at the passage in another way. I made a few notes here. Jesus says, follow me. And the man says, no. Well, not now, anyway. I need to wrap up a few things before I can commit to you. Even though you're the Lord, I have other priorities. I, I, just, I know what's more important right now, so let me take care of that, and then I'll, then I'll come commit myself to you. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> does it ring true? You know, it does to me. And I often think about this particular man. We don't know how he responded, by the way. My assumption has always been that he, uh, like the rich young ruler, went away sad. That was drama. I think there was a little tumble. But it sounds like it was all taken care of. Yeah, so they're not unconscious, so that's good. Yeah, somebody slipped on the steps. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Poor kid. I don't know who, I couldn't see. Would somebody like to say a prayer for that child? Just stand up and say a prayer right now. It's a little awkward. It's almost like a stage and a performance. I mean, we've got the, what they call the proscenium arch. I really want to be down with you guys. Um, so I think about this man, and he had said, I'll follow you, but I have other priorities. I need to go say goodbye. And what if he starts walking with Jesus immediately? You remember that was the call on the fishermen, the disciples, they immediately left their nets and followed him. He said, come follow me, and they, they did it immediately. So what if this man responded and did it? Jesus very well may have said to him later, okay, I want you to go to your people, and I want you to tell them about the kingdom, and you can say goodbye to your family. The man could have had everything that he was hoping for, but only under the authority of Jesus. Instead of saying, well, I know what's a higher priority now, if he just walked with the Lord, Jesus knew the very best thing for him. He knows the very best thing for all of us and how to deal with every situation. Jesus knows, I wrote this down and this may apply to somebody here. He knows the best timing for hard conversations. I don't know, somebody may be in a situation right now where you say, uh, I need to deal with this hard thing and then I'll fall back into ministry, I'll continue the Lord knows the best way for you to have a tough conversation with somebody. He knows the right way to navigate difficult circumstances. He has wisdom and he has love. So to be a disciple is to move with the master. He loves us enough to guide us on the right path. And here's the big if. If we will trust him if we will obey him, if we will walk with him. 
Jesus never coerces anyone to be a disciple. He never forces anyone to follow him. Then it wouldn't be love anymore. If you can force someone to love you, then it's not love. And he never forces anyone to commit to him. He offers, and he says, if you want to be my disciple, then you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and walk with me. And if we'll do those things, then he will show us that right path. Ephesians chapter 2 has been very, very helpful to me. I just had a conversation with somebody here who's approaching possibly retiring soon, and that's a big transition in life from over 30 years of service in a certain thing into not doing that anymore. What does life look like? Sometimes, well, often we move into a new chapter in life. You've heard this language. You, you need to just turn the page. You have a new chapter heading. It's a new thing. And my experience also is sometimes God's leading me into a new section of an entire book in my life. And, you know, sometimes when you move into a new section, there's actually a blank page before the new thing starts. And sometimes we get into these transitions like, what is going on? Nothing's clear. The old thing, I'm done with that, but I don't know what's coming. And you just say, okay, I'm on that blank page. I just need to wait for this new thing to come. That's been my experience, to be peaceful in the middle of the blank page of life, I guess I'd say. In Ephesians 2.10, I've stood on this many times, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that comforting? So I was talking to a man about retiring. Well, the good thing is, God has prepared good work in advance for him to do. There's not really a question of, is there something up there? Well, yes, there is. God's prepared good work in advance for you to do. It's already there. That's comforting. That's very comforting. That's a promise. In Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says that he can do more than we can ask or even imagine. And that's comforting to me. If you ever make a list in the next five years, I see myself doing this. Leave one item blank for the thing that you cannot imagine. Because he can do more than you can imagine. He can do more than you can ask, but he can do even more than you could even think of. And um, I've had several of those experiences in my life where I find myself doing something. I'm like, I never would have imagined that. So we we can be strategic, but we also need to strategically leave a blank spot for God to do whatever he wants to do. Are you unsure of your future? Do you have questions about how the Lord is going to lead and use you? Well, he's prepared good work in advance for you to do. So how do you get into that good work? You walk with him. And then as we walk with him, we'll come into what he has prepared for us. And he promises not only to lead us into that good thing, but he will actually give us the power to do his will. That's another part of the new covenant, is that he will write in our hearts both the desire to do his will and the power to do his will. Those two things he promises to give us if we'll walk with him. First John chapter 1. This is, I was thinking about this this morning. It's pretty remarkable. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. That's verse 5, 1 John chapter 1. And I want to stop for a second and say, this is what John 
heard directly from Jesus. This is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then John applies it. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't have the truth in us. That is, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet don't walk with him, then we're lying. Uh, At one point Jesus said, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I'm saying. You don't do what I say. Any of you employed, uh, if your boss tells you to do something, you don't do it. Your boss could say, you call me the boss, but you don't do what I instruct you to do. You're fired. Jesus has authority. He He has the standing to say that to us and call us not only to say that we're disciples, but to really do it. And the scriptures come to mind several times today. Jesus says, when you pray, you don't pray in a way for showing off. You go into a quiet, private place, and you pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So if you have any questions about your future, what's coming, go into a quiet, private place, and you pray in an unseen way. Don't brag about it to anybody. And your Father who sees what is done in secret is going to reward you. He may not answer the prayer in the way that you're hoping he'll answer it, but whatever answer he gives is a reward. It's a very good thing. And John says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from sin. And that's the reality. God wants us to walk with him, and that alone is the right way. In the kingdom, God wants us to always be moving ahead always moving ahead and not looking backwards into the things that he's prepared for us. Psalm 23 says that there are green pastures and still waters up ahead. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have nothing to be afraid about. Some of you are in a shadowy time right now. I'll tell you something that has gone deep in my heart. The best is always ahead for followers of Jesus. The best is always ahead for followers of Jesus. Two weeks ago, I met with a man who died a week later or so, a dear friend of mine for many years, 45 years perhaps. And that's the word, that was the word for him. He's a believer. His body is shutting down. Uh, he's on hospice. The doctors have given up any hope of healing the physical body. I was like, amen, brother. The best is ahead for you. I want to tell all of you, The resolution for any injuries or insults or sins in the past, that resolution is in the future. It's not in the past. You can't go back and deal with something and then say, okay, now I've got that dealt with, now I'll walk with God. It's like, no, you walk with God and he will bring you into the resolution of that. It's up ahead. The coming kingdom is in the future. Your resurrected body is in the future. How many are looking forward to a resurrected body? Amen? Yeah, amen. Our perfection is in the future. In the future, the Bible says that God himself will wipe away every tear. Isn't that a sweet image of a loving father? It's okay. He's going to wipe away every tear. Are you starting a family? The best is ahead if you'll walk with the Lord. Are you going to graduate from UGA pretty soon? 
The best is ahead if you'll walk with the Lord. Are you in the last years of your life? The best is ahead if you'll walk with the Lord. Are you in the middle of a crisis? I'm telling you, the best is ahead if you'll walk with the Lord. Are you suffering a great loss like two families that I know right now? The best is ahead if they'll just walk with the Lord. The best is ahead. Are you confident? Are you feeling successful? Are you in the prime of life? I'm telling you, there's better stuff ahead, much better stuff ahead, if we'll walk with God. Are you unsure of a big decision? He will answer that prayer if you just stand at the crossroads and look, ask God for the good way, and then walk in it. So my encouragement today is for all of us, let's never put our hand to the plow and look back. Let's put our hand to the plow but we're moving ahead. We're moving ahead in God. And one last thought. Sometimes people ask me, when are you going back to Russia? And I never, ever want to go back to Russia. I want to go forward into Russia. I don't want to go back. And when I speak, and my family knows this, I'm not perfect in it, but I, I try to avoid ever saying, yeah, we're going back to America, we're going back to Africa, we're going back to Russia. I just don't want to use that language because that's not kingdom language. He's teaching you something right now. He's teaching you something in your life. And don't go back to visit your family. Don't go back anywhere. You go forward and you take the things that he's showing you into that future. You take them because he's going to have people up there who are waiting and they want to hear from you what he's saying. So let's not ever go back. Let's not look back and let's never go back. Amen? The kingdom of God is about advancement and moving ahead. And each of his people, we just need to say, Lord, help me never go back. Help me never to dwell on the things of the past because there's so much better up ahead. Let me say a quick prayer then. God, we thank you so much for your word that you do reveal these things to your people, God. It's wonderful. Thank you so much, God. And God, anything that we've heard today that is of you, I do pray, like Stan prayed, that it would go deep in, that it would be, that our hearts would be good soil and that your word would bear good fruit. And God, people here, people that are here and facing a big transition in life, Lord, I pray that you will give them the grace, the power to stop and to look and to ask and God, I pray that you'll give them the grace to hear your reply and then that you'll give them the power to move in the things that you reveal. Father, we've gathered together here in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the King of kings. He sits on the throne of David forever and ever. He is the Lord above all lords. And it's in his name that I pray these things. Amen. said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.